0: Played out and down the ice score! Alex Kerfoot almost needed a curling broom to get that over the line, but
1: it trickles into the net, and the Maple Leafs are going to win this one with 14.9 seconds left. Well, the good news is, is if he did need a curling broom, my good buddy Gord Stellick would be able to provide it to him. Gordo, the Leafs are 4-2 winners at home. I know you love the game of curling. I know you love Leafs wins. So a lot to like for you in that final call there.
0: Yeah, we're shut down for the next three weeks anyway, our, our men's curling and mixed curling. And uh, I, I liked more. The game-winning goal, the snipe from Ilya Mikheyev. Boy, he had six shots on net tonight. You know, and you're you're you know seeing a glimmer that you know this could be a key key guy. But uh, yeah, uh, I like I like the way uh, that that Kerfoot played. He had a little bit a little bit of bite kind of going at it with with Nurse uh, late in the game when the net was empty. He had a goal and assist. He was plus two. Boy, you heard Jim Ralph and Joe, but Jim at the end of the game and. It, it was kind of like the Leafs were before that win against Chicago. It was getting that way, man. That's just mm-hmm. ugly. Like, I know what he's trying to say with your Edmonton, you try to build for some positives. It's not as much of a disaster, say, as the New York Ranger game uh, the other night. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's 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 tough. It's tough. So the Maple Leafs, uh, this is a team they should beat. And uh, they went out and beat them. Uh, Austin Matthews uh, off the score uh, off the score sheet. Mitch Marner off the score sheet. Uh, John Tavares got added late to the score sheet. That goal that was originally given to uh, to Nylander.
1: Yeah, they uh, they were kind of passing that one back and forth. We thought it was Tavares' first, then Nylander took it back. Tavares uh, ending up back back with credit tonight. I thought he was he was great. Uh, we'll we'll stick with Tavares. Talk about his game for a second there. You know, he he's somebody who you know can kind of fall under the radar a little bit at times, just because he's the least flashy uh, of the big four. But I thought he just had a rock solid game. You know, drew some penalties, uh, like we said, he's the guy who opened the scoring tonight. Just rock solid two way play by by him, and again that. That line with him, Nylander, and Kerfoot, it's just, you know, the the top line seems to have changed a lot, and part of that is because of injuries to Marner and and Bunting kind of, uh, you know, being mixed in on that top line, but that that second line, I think you can make the case, has been maybe the least most consistent all season long with Tavares, Nylander, and Kerfoot, and I, I thought all three guys had fairly strong games tonight.
0: Yeah, you know, Brent, we used to, you know, you wouldn't you see Tavares come. They weren't in the same division, but they were in the same conference. So one or two times he'd come to Air Canada Centre and now Scotiabank Arena. And I, I would really appreciate it watching him about playing in the greasy area, how smart he was because his... His lack of exceptional speed is a little bit surprising, giving him as the number one overall pick. He's still, you still—you got to be a great skater to get there in the NHL. So I do think that maybe we've taken a little bit of that for granted, just because there's so many fabulous skaters like uh, you know uh, on the Toronto Maple Leafs with incredible, spe- incredible speed. But I, I have liked his consistency this year, and there's still no excuse how they lost to the Montreal Canadiens because they did win three games when John Tavares was initially hurt. But still. You know that's the kind of guy you miss when you're starting to slide the other way you know that can that 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 could, can be a difference maker.
1: Yeah, for, for sure, he absolutely is. And, you know, it's funny, we were, we were talking about how uneven this game was in the second intermission. First period, wide open. Second period, completely bottled up. And it feels like, you know, at your house, you can have a light switch or you can have the dimmer, the thing that lets you kind of, you know, slide the knob up and down. There was no dimmer switch tonight. It was just on, floodgates open, or off. Completely kind of, you know, bottled up, borderline trap hockey. It was amazing to kind of see that flutter back and forth because it felt like the third period started out with a bad Bang, a lot of offensive chances. Then things got a little more buttoned down, and then I mean, of course, with the team chasing at the end, like the Oilers were after the Leafs took the lead, things kind of opened back up there. But yeah, it just felt like there was no not not no flow to the game, but it just felt like it was it was two completely different games being toggled on and off tonight.
0: Well, and again, you know, we're not going to beat it to death, but just the no crowd is really just, just, it's, or, That's like why. I said, la- yeah. La- yeah, last year it meant the NHL It was the only way it could get going. So there was a kind of a neat part about it. We got used to it. And this time it's just, and, and they already, now, again, announcing about three more games, uh, one involving the Leafs down the road that will be postponed because they try to stay, going to try to keep games out of empty venues and hoping to move them a little bit later. You know, funny one, and maybe it's because. The, the Leafs uh, haven't played a lot. So he, did, he did, not, did not roll four lines. Wayne Simmons, five minutes, 39 seconds. Nick Ritchie, 731. Jason Spezza, 804. So, you know, I thought Richie had a great chance early in the third period. Uh, but, you know, tough to get going when you get that kind of ice time. And I'll tell you on the other side, with the Edmonton Oilers, like he scored one of the goals. I thought he played well. He had three shots on net, but Brendan Perlini, nine minutes, 37 seconds of ice time. And, you know, to me, Brent, part of uh, a great part about being a coach or a big part, and Dave Tippett's been an excellent coach, but it's kind of reading who's going and who's not going. And, you know, Brendan Perlini had been a healthy scratch and he gets a chance to get in the lineup. It's only his second goal of the season that was the first for Edmonton tonight. And I just thought, I just thought there was a bit of a miss there because I thought he had, he had something going and yet they didn't, they didn't elevate him in the lineup. Yeah, no, I, I, that, that jumps out to me too. And the guy who
1: finishes with the second least minutes for, for Edmonton is the guy who set him up there, Colton Sevier. you know, uh, playing against the team, like the Leafs, it does feel like fresh legs. And yeah, you want to find the guys that they got him going, but you know, you'd think two guys who, who combined on the first goal of the game for you, you'd think they would have earned uh, a little extra ice. You know, we're, we're talking about Perlini here. We mentioned his dad, Fred Perlini. And I think it was the first intermission. Now they were, they were talking on, uh, on the TV broadcast about this. I, I got, uh, I got bugged about it that his dad. I, I I'm mentioning his stats here in the British League. He scored 103 goals in 24 games for the 88-89 uh, D-side Dragons. And uh, man, i have just I'm still, I saw those numbers for Fred Perlini, Brandon's dad. Uh, played a few games with the Leafs. 103 goals in in 24 games. I'd say that's Gretzky sc- stuff, but I don't know. Did Gretzky ever average over four goals a game? That's uh, that's pretty nuts. And I just uh, I had a chuckle at that. And I, I had to bring it to your attention there, Gord.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think I mentioned earlier that uh, Freddie had played. For the Toronto Marlies, and once we had to call him up as an emergency guy to play in the NHL, we had drafted him, I think, in the eighth round one year. So he literally, you know, practiced with the Marlies and was playing in the Leafs that night. And he was a happy-go-lucky uh, kind of player. And uh, there's so many positive experiences about uh, going over and finishing up your career in in Europe. I mean, we've talked to Todd Alushko before about so many players go over to Germany. There's some great setups there, but in England. They, first, they love their tough players. They love their tough players. And then the other part is, yeah, caliber-wise, if you went to Germany, it's a lot more difficult. <laughs> England, you can play like it's Friday night shinny if you're, if you're Freddie Perlini. Oh, and I'm uh, sorry, Gord. I'm selling him short. Uh, in the
1: 92-93 season, he had 135 goals in uh, in 31 games. So uh, good, good on him there. Uh, a little less good uh, on his son, Brandon, although he did get the uh, goal tonight. Uh, the Leafs uh, getting the best of the Oilers 4-2. Uh, back to the Leafs, although uh, I could joke about the British Hockey League uh, all, all night long. Uh, you know, in terms of what you saw from them tonight, I think it's a okay, good enough, good job, you got your two points. I don't think anybody's going to be writing home about this game. I think there were, you know, a, a handful of defensive breakdowns. You needed Campbell to be better than you would have liked against this team. But I, I think that as long as this doesn't become a pattern that you start to notice, I think you just say, okay, good job picking up the two points on a night where uh, you, you clearly weren't at your best.
0: Got to tell you, just uh, as we heard Joe and Jim Ralph, that um... – I was Joe Bowen's, Joe Bowen's partner and got to go to England for what they, for the Frenchest challenge in the exhibition season back in. Oh my in, God! Yes, back in 1993, uh, two games against the New York Rangers. Mike Keenan took over, and that was the team that ended up winning the Stanley Cup. And it was funny in this intimate British arena, and. it it was and it was french's mustard sponsored it and you can't get french's mustard in england it was so weird right whatever so we always kid about the uh, the french's the french's mustard challenge uh, from from back then our little our little taste of british hockey uh, oh. all those years ago uh, and, and uh, yeah go, and going to the rink once Mike Keenan got on our bus he got on the wrong bus but quickly kind of smiled and went to his <laughs> New York Ranger bus so uh, anyway uh, I forgot what did you ask me I forgot I forgot I got I had memories uh, of French's mustard and being in London England
1: it wasn't anything as important as getting a memory of you over in, in the UK one day I'll throw something wild at you like that you won't have a story for it no I was just saying how how on a night where this team clearly wasn't at its best you know they they had a line that was rolling Campbell played okay but i don't i don't think there's any need to panic to worry or anything like that but i think you know next time out against i believe it's colorado saturday night you're gonna have to be better than this because this was good enough tonight against an oilers team that's shorthanded and really sliding but uh, this effort in colorado probably is not going to be anywhere close to, to good enough to get it done
0: yeah, I don't want to start talking about. I worry about Jack Campbell getting hurt because Joe Wall played decent and Peter Mrazek. That you know we'll see see what he can do. But man, even in a game tonight, like just I use that word deportment. His look, Jack Campbell just 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 has it. Just has it. Like whatever. And that's why you're finding ways to win games. But you're spot on, Brent. About uh, that. Yeah, it's it's a game. He didn't play great, and and you still won. And the better teams will do that all the time. That they'll uh, they'll go out. And some nights you don't quite have it, but when you're not a good team, you certainly lose those. Uh, when you are a good team, maybe a great team, with, like they want to be, uh, then you find ways to win. And, cause I, and I've been on the other side of that, and it's so, it's so, so frustrating. And, uh, yeah, again, no, no Austin Matthews, no Mitch Marner being the big guns these last couple of games, just some others contributing. And I, 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 st- I go back to where I started about Ilya Mikheyev, just about being, you know, not, not a kid, not a kid. And uh, a guy that, uh, you know, just, 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 he, he teases you. He teases you, you know, with uh, with uh, his, um, uh, the way he plays at times. And certainly the last couple of games he's done that. I mean, he's 27 years old. So it's, is the—is it the NHL or cut bait? And I, I just don't see him as a third liner. I see him as either, I say, a second liner or a top two liner, or he goes back to Russia or something like that. So. That was a beautiful goal, beautiful shot. And, you know, maybe he'll start getting some confidence that way and, you know, uh, use him a little bit more. I can can already see him supplanted. Well, he already has kind of supplanted Nick Ritchie. But uh, uh, this has been the intriguing guy for me. And um, there hasn't been enough. uh, There has been too much intrigue that's continued. Not as many results. And um, hopefully this is more of more to come.
1: Yeah, it felt like it felt like he kind of owed the team a goal that mattered. He had the huge fist bump celebration, and I think it was the five or six nothing goal uh, against the Sens on Saturday night. So getting the winner tonight, a uh, big celebration out of there, and it was much deserved. And yeah, he he is a guy. He kind of feels like somebody who can be a. I don't want to say a ceiling changer because this team is going to go as well as John Tavares and all the big, big guns go. But so much of the talk heading into this season was, okay, the top six is going to score. There's no doubt about it. Kind of whoever's on those left-wing spots, be it Richie, be it Bunting, be it Kerfoot, those other four guys should be able to take care of the offense. But where is it going to come from in the bottom six? And, you know... If Mikheyev is a guy who can give it to you, and I agree, he's a guy who on a lot of teams, hey, on that Oilers team, he would be in the top six. But I just think with how how strong Bunting fits with Matthews and Martyr and how well that Kerfoot, Nylander, and, and Tavares line is clicked, it feels like Mikhaev could maybe be that guy to give that third line with Kampf and Kasha a little bit more offensive oomph because, you know, Kampf shows a little creativity. Obviously, he plays really well with Kasha, but it feels like Mikheyev, if he's going to be able to put the puck in the net, could could be the guy to kind of boost what that third line gives you because I think you can trust him defensively. He's a really strong skater. He gets around the ice fine and he feels to me like a guy who can kind of change, you know, kind of bump the ceiling up of what you could potentially expect from your third line if if he's going to be this player.
0: Now, I wonder, Brent, do you think he is sour? Because he did have the nickname Soup. Remember he that when it. Started? he started? Uh, he because he liked all those different kinds of soup. It was his favorite food. And we forgot about it, that Soupy Campbell has just you know taken the world by storm and kind of taken his nickname. So I, I don't know. Maybe we'll have to think of another one, because Soup is a very distant memory about uh, Ilya Mikheyev right now. Well, so the
1: guy, I, I do remember this. Uh, he got asked about this when he came back, and he said that the boys have taken to calling him Cobra. Because when his wrist and hand got all messed up, he had to wear like a sprint that kind of made him his hand look like this, the, like a snake's head. He was kind of holding it uh, with with his fingers all closed together there. So I, I think it's cobra. I think that's what the boys are going with okay. now. It doesn't quite have the same jump of soup. I don't know how it'll feel to hear cobra, cobra, cobra uh, in the building when uh, whatever fans are, are back in. But I think that's what we're going with.
0: Yeah, well, uh, uh, that leaves a lot to the imagination when you have a nickname <laughs> named Cobra as well. I I will say our former producer Matt Brown uh, used to help Ilya when um, he missed so many games, but get get put stuff in his coffee in the press box when he would come out because I mean he had uh, he had that wrist just. Uh, uh, wrapped up like like it would be for the significance of that injury. So, yeah, less time in the press box, but more time getting some goals. And, you know, I mean, like Joe Thornton got his fourth last night for Florida. Uh, the Lamborghini, Ryan Lomberg got his third. Uh, you're seeing Perlini gets his second tonight for Edmonton. You know, just uh, a lot of new players in the NHL. Boy, a lot of new players in the NHL the last few weeks. Uh, most of it uh, COVID-driven, getting a chance to play and getting – getting their first goal. So it's a chance for whether they're the lesser guns or ones that just haven't had a chance or, or flourished yet uh, to do that. That's the one thing you're getting an opportunity by and large right now.
1: Yeah, you absolutely are seeing that uh, paying off in spades for the Leafs tonight. It is a 4-2 win at home over the Oilers. Gord Stelick and Brent Gunning here. We'll continue with more at Leafs Nation postgame next on Sportsnet 590. The Fan and the Maple Leafs Radio Network. It is Molson Canadian Leafs hockey on Sportsnet 590. The fan, Brent Gunning, Gord Stellick here with you with Leafs Nation postgame. Uh, Gord, one thing that, of course, jumped out to me, and we'll we'll hear from some of the Leafs. We'll also hear from Luke Fox before we uh, wrap up tonight. We'll hear from some of the Leafs shortly. But the thing that jumped out to me, not lost on me, the Sidney Crosby of six on five, was on the ice in Zach Hyman, but he was on the ice with the team that had five players, not six. I, I guess his powers uh, don't don't switch over, of course. He was the guy who seemingly always got the empty net goals uh, when he was here in Toronto.
0: Yeah, yeah, the king of the empty netters, and it says a lot when you're put out in that situation so often. I'll tell you, not at the end there, but midway through the third period when it's was still 2-2, he had a real good chance to make a 3-2 for Edmonton. And at the end, you know, before Kerfoot put the Emter netter in, uh, they were really putting a lot of pressure on and Hyman was part of it. Cassian was the extra guy coming out when they pulled the goaltender, and they really really worked the puck well. And, again, that's where I go back to Jack Campbell. I thought that's when he had to play his best. That's when he was unflappable, and that's when he came up with, uh, you know, some, I don't know if they're scintillating saves or just really good saves, but he, he did what had to be done.
1: Yeah, he had the one uh, lying flat on his back when uh, McLeod had a bit of an empty net there and he, he shot it into his back. That was his road hockey uh, saves as it gets. And and yeah, you mentioned Cassian coming on as the extra attacker. And look, you know, Cassian's a guy I have a ton of time for. He was in win- I was in Windsor when he was winning Memorial Cups there. Uh, but I think it kind of tells you everything about the depleted depth of the Oilers that that's the guy who, who comes out as your extra attacker. You know, again n- not to knock him too, too much but he'd be uh, pretty far down on that pecking order for the Leafs. So I think that that. Little tidbit right there kind of shows you just how, how how different the depth was on the two teams tonight.
0: Yeah, no question, no question, and, and a little bit again. Jim Ralph goes back to the Edmonton Orders, you know, something you're trying to build from, and you know a little bit of the depth showing, which hasn't been showing of late. But uh, depth has really evolved into a strength of, of the Maple Leafs, and even in these two kind of exhibition game type environments, maybe it's a little bit unfair to say about that game tonight, but certainly the environment is. Um their their depth has rung true against a much weaker team in Ottawa and a team they seem to be better than than in Edmonton.
1: Yeah, uh, agreed with you there. Uh, somebody who is not a part of the Leafs depth. He is a little higher up in the pecking order. In fact, he's the captain, John Tavares. Let's hear from him following the 4-2 win.
2: Hey John, probably not the way you draw them up, but uh what do you think of the way the team played after getting out of that uh first period tied 2-2? Yeah, it was hard fought. Uh you know, they're a desperate, desperate hockey team obviously looking uh to get back on track and they competed hard uh every uh, every loose puck uh 50 50 uh, was a battle um you know they played they, they a quick game you know we got off to a decent start actually in the first and then i think uh you know they they uh tied it up and seemed to get their game going and obviously we got a big goal um to tie it up and and kind of regroup uh and know and we we had to be a lot better yeah overall uh, it still wasn't our best I still think we're we're kind of getting uh in the swing of things coming off of uh, the long break we had, but uh, um, some better things tonight and, and just good hard fought uh, uh, game and finding way to, to get it done. The third great goal by Mickey. Great to see him keep it rolling and, and uh, finishing guys, finishing the job defensively uh, you know, soup was tremendous again. Um, yeah. So just uh, not the prettiest, like you said, but uh, you just compete right to the end and find a way. I was going to ask you about the KF, John, what have you seen in him in the, at three games? It's been almost a month that he's been back, but, uh, uh, clearly, this guy is uh, you know finding his stats for you, isn't he? Yeah, I mean uh, it's great to see him get uh, get some confidence and get rewarded. I think he he generates so much, uh, you know, not not just scoring chances, but I think he just puts so much pressure on the opponent with his speed and um, you know his strength. Um, yeah, his his he's just on top of you uh, all the time as an opponent that can't be easy to play against. And you know he's uh, gone through stretches where he's just generated so much and he just hasn't gotten rewarded. So um, just great to see him get, uh, 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 you know, capitalize, uh, get some good looks on the power play. That's great for him, and, and uh, he's taking advantage of it. And obviously coming up with uh, with a huge one tonight to get the game winner, uh, it's great to see. I mean, we, we want him playing confident, feeling good, and contributing in all areas. Thanks. Next up, we'll go to Josh Cliverton with the Canadian Press. Go ahead, Josh. Hey John, you talked about how desperate they are on the other side. I'm sure you guys talked about that, knowing how undermanned they are. But how hard is it to, to match that desperation, especially in an empty building like this sometimes? Yeah, we talked about uh just the the energy component to that. And um they're they're trying to obviously find their game and get going and and looking for 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 some spark and uh you know trying to get something positive and good going and um yeah and and when you add those other elements in, uh it's a part of it. You you talk about it, and I think you you just try to um approach as best you can, prepare. Uh and like I said, just try to control what you can control. Obviously different dynamics but uh um at this level you got to find a way to adapt your game and and, uh whatever the circumstances are make sure we're playing at a high level competing hard and and um, more often than not executing the way we want we'll take two more here we'll go to jonas siegel with the athletic go ahead jonas hey john you played with
3: william for a couple years now i'm wondering if there's any part of his game
1: you think has really taken a step since the beginning days
2: yeah, I think he just continues to, uh, I think, come, become more well-rounded. Uh, the consistency continues to get better for him, I think, for any young player. And, and even, I know, speaking for myself, even now, that's what you're always trying to work towards is being consistent, game in and game out. It's a, it's a long season. It's a grind. There's different challenges and hurdles, and you learn a lot about yourself, about your game, your role, and whatnot. And I, I think he really uh, wanted to build off uh, the, the finish last year. Uh, not just on the ice, but I think even uh, the presence he has in our locker room and, and the kind of guy is in the leadership component, which I think we touched, touched on a little bit early in the year. So uh, he wants to be a difference maker um, and wants to be looked upon as a guy that can that can be uh, relied upon in all areas. And obviously uh, his skill set uh, uh, is tremendous. So uh, fortunate to have him and lucky to play with him.
1: Does he feel older to you now? Like he's probably
2: uh, Yeah, no, he does. We joke about that, me and him a little bit. So uh uh, certainly, you can just you can just see since I've been around him since I've been here, just the the evolution for him. You know, you know, Poppy, uh, Mitchy, all, all all our our core guys that have you know kind of come up through here. Um, you know, you can just see uh, the evolution and not just their games, but I think uh, who they are as people. And
3: last one here, we'll go to Lance Hornby, Toronto Sun. Go ahead, Lance. Uh, John, uh, how unusual to play against Zach Hyman, and uh, did you have any uh, chat with him, friendly or otherwise, tonight during the
2: game? Certainly not during the game. Uh, saw him a couple of weeks ago when we were in Edmonton, so caught up a little bit there. Um, you know, got a t- tremendous amount of respect for for Himes uh, as a person, uh, first and foremost, but uh, obviously as a player, he brought a lot to our hockey team uh, uh, on and off the ice. Um, tremendous uh, skill set and work ethic. Um, a lot of elements that they're so, so you know, so uh, valuable to a team. So, um you know, just uh, happy to see him doing well and, and settling in. But uh, definitely, I uh, want to wanted to get the upper hand on him uh, again here tonight, and and uh, nice to get the two points.
1: I uh, g- good question at the end. Uh, have you talked to Zach Hyman uh, during the game or otherwise during the game? No, uh, hockey robot was not going to be uh, chit chatting out there. Uh, there is Leafs captain John Tavares. Uh, in in terms of Hyman, yeah, I mean it's it's unfortunate that there were fans in the building back for you know what what was supposed to be his tribute. We know they ran it. He was jokingly waving. You know we were wondering if maybe he'd have some friends and family. They said that wasn't even the case uh, tonight down there. So you know disappointing that that's how he uh, makes his return. But I'm sure. Whenever he finally, one day, uh, plays a game in front of fans uh, down, down at Scotiabank, it'll be a, it'll be a raucous reception because, you know, if anybody from recent Leafs iteration deserves it, it's him.
0: Yeah, you know, and the friends and family thing, I, I assume that would have been the case. But, you know, Edmonton's got a, a big number of players from here, uh, you know, Connor McDavid, Nurse, Hyman, you name it. And so in some ways, um, business is business. Is, it, it could have been a hometown feel for yeah. the uh, Edmonton Oilers with a, a small but very vocal crowd if that ended up being the case. So, you know, maybe that went part in the decision. I think with John Tavares, what also shows of late Brent is you can remember there were times when, uh, and it goes back to last year as well, that Sheldon Keefe uh, plays his big gun, something Austin Matthews likes a lot more about Keefe than Mike Babcock. So you know you'd have Matthews playing something like eight minutes more, or you know up to that much more than John Tavares which was pretty significant. Uh, t- tonight they're about the same: twenty-one thirty-seven for Matthews, twenty-one thirteen for Tavares. And I think that's you know Keith just acknowledging that's just uh, the the ebb and flow of the way the team is playing right now. It's not like Austin Matthews is having one of those three goal games in a in a tight one goal game, and you you, you just kind of p- have the pull that you push him back on every time he skates to the bench. And I think that that's a Uh, That's another indicator about Tavares' real steady, effective play. Yeah, for sure, and I
1: think it's a I think it's an indicator about kind of where Tavares is. You know, a guy over the age of thirty, not to say you you know you super lean on the idea of load management, but you could start to say, oh, maybe that's where he has a couple minutes less than Matthews. But I think the fact that you're comfortable riding him now, part of that is that this team's played I think three games in a month or or something like that. At least that's what it feels like. So I I understand why why you'd lean on him in, in that regard. But yeah, I, I like that as well. The fact that they're they're right up there. Uh, Nylander right around the same amount of time as well. Marner kind of leading the four, but e- each one of those guys was within basically a, a minute uh, of each other there. Uh, Tavares and Matthews both had excellent, excellent nights uh, in the faceoff dot. Tavares 15 of 22, 68%. Matthews 10 of 17, 59%. You know we know Tavares is a solid two-way center. I think we're we're starting to learn that about Matthews if we, if we haven't already. And you know that's just another facet of their game that proves that you can kind of throw them out there at any zone at any moment that you need them if you need to win a big draw you know it used to be jason spezza who would go out there to do it and i don't know that it would be him and you know throw in camp as another center you can kind of trust uh defensively even though he had a rough night in the face-off circle it just kind of proves the m- more all the more options that keith has at his disposal now with this team
0: yeah in many ways including faceoffs. you're right you're right and and uh the other part i don't have the stat handy but uh, the Leafs have been good getting the first goal of the game for quite some time, and that's where the Oilers have really, really struggled. Man, oh, man, the Oilers, I mean, they're the worst in the league in getting that first goal, and when you're in a funk, uh, you're always playing catch-up, and, it, and, and uh, with the Maple Leafs, uh, by and large, they've made a point of not playing catch-up so much of late, and I think a big part of this, too, what you say, the depth in all facets of the game.
1: Yeah, that, that's that's what's jumped out about it um, to, to me as well. And I, I believe Leafs have now won 20 of their last 25. And, you know, it, it was far from a Picasso tonight. Even the 6 nothing game against Ottawa was a bit of a weird one. But I think it does say something. We've talked about, you know, how mature is this team? Just how much can you buy in? How how real is all of this? And I think the fact that they've had as many kind of stops and starts as they've had lately. They have the scare with Matthews. Was he going to be in the lineup tonight? They've had to lean on other goaltending. They had to use Joe Wall and kind of it and hey this isn't just for the Leafs pretty much every team has dealt with something like this but I think it does kind of tell you something about how much you can buy in how much you can believe and and how much you can law how much you can kind of trust that what you're seeing from this group is real
0: yeah absolutely absolutely and you know one just because we uh we did Leafs Nation we did a a post game the other night against Ottawa and just uh, just another reminder of COVID world which has carried on I I like i i miss the post game energy that Sheldon Keith gets to the podium you know about 12 minutes after the you know game and and uh so i mean this is part of it we always have no shortage of things to talk about but now that uh everything has just been regimented with you know one at a time uh zoom calls that kind of thing it just uh it just takes forever i i think Keith's forgotten about the game by the time he gets around to it but uh anyway we'll we'll, we'll hopefully hear from him soon
1: <laughs> You right now are Austin Matthews to Justin Hall in that Chicago game to Keith Quicker! Quicker! It needs to be quicker. And I love that about you, uh, Gordo. Break gunning, Gord Stellick here, Leaf Station postgame on Molson Canadian Leafs Hockey and SportsNet. Five ninety the fan. Brent Gunning, Gord Stellick here, walking you through a 4-2 Leafs win on Leafs Station postgame. The Leafs stay red hot. They've now won 20 of their last 25. That continued. The loss tonight continues. These Oilers slide. Of course, uh, the Oilers, uh, just a little shorthanded. I feel like we should probably pepper this in uh, throughout the postgame show. I feel like it matters a bit. Uh, Connor McDavid was not playing tonight, but I don't know that one player uh, would have made the difference. Uh, just an odd feeling game. And, you know, I, I hate to keep drubbing on it, but, you know, I've, I've got I've got uh, Penguins up uh, in front of me now. Penguins, Blues, it's a raucous crowd. And, and man, it just uh, feels like a whole different world. And, and hopefully we're all able to get back to that soon. Uh, we're going to hear from Leafs head coach Sheldon Keefe before we wrap up today. And uh, in just a moment's time, we're going to talk to our, our good buddy uh, Luke Fox. Uh, if you missed it, uh, John Tavares actually did end up opening the scoring. Uh, TJ Brody, Ilya Mikheyev, and Alex Kerfoot getting all the Leafs goals tonight. Kerfoot comes on an M- Empty netter, kind of stealing the old uh, Zach Hyman thunder, and yes, uh, they did give Zach Hyman a video tribute tonight, uh, even though there was no one there uh, to watch it. But the Leafs are, are four-two winners. Uh, Gord, I mean, we, we've we've kind of gone around on this. Tavares to me felt like the most impressive Leaf tonight. I think you can make a case for Nylander. Potentially, was there anybody else
0: that jumped out to you? Uh, well, I've been impressed by the play of T.J. Brody. You know, uh, I like the way Brody and Morgan Riley have played, so I don't know if they jumped out, but there was a steadiness to how they played. I mean, McKayev had that great – he had three shots and, and, and got that goal, so he's been he's been standing out more and more. I think what's standing out to me is that score you just mentioned because, you know, if you're going to win the Stanley Cup, St. Louis, we know how they're competing. They're up 2 nothing and then up 3-1, and you're right. The Penguins, not only is it a full building, an exciting building, raucous crowd, the Penguins now have a 4-3 lead, Uh, in the waning moments of that game. And and the other part about Leafs Nation postgame that I hope we get back to, because I'm just saying with the listeners, when I talk about the coach... And we would kid because it was a priority that we would do the post game show, and then we would get the coach on live, right? So usually yep. Mike Babcock, and now it's been Sheldon Keith and Mark Savard's Such a smartass, that I always like he'd be talking, <laughs> and they go, "Oh, Babcock's there," and all of a sudden, "Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, we got to go to Bab's." Kind of, he would be sarcastic, and we would and we would kind of go there because that kind of set up what the coach felt about things, and uh, and then then the flow afterwards. So it just. Uh, you know just kind of being asked backwards is uh, is uh, is is something that's that's an adjustment and a reality but i again i can't wait for normal we all can't wait I'll, for normal All play the role of mark savard
1: right now we gotta go luke fox is there luke fox uh, uh standing by on the line just i'm sure ask sheldon keith at least one wonderful question uh luke how you doing today
3: <laughs> i'm doing okay how are you guys just okay. Hmm.
1: Going back to the Randy <laughs> Carlisle era, I see. Uh, you know, we're we're feeling good. A four-two win, uh, Luke. Uh, you know, it's just it's a little different uh, without fans in the building. Uh, it feels to me like the team is gonna have to find ways to kind of muster some energy, muster some life. I don't know if that means you know Simmons gets himself running around. I don't know if that means if you lead on your high-powered offense to just start games like you're shot out of a cannon. But uh, they they've got to find a way to to inject some energy and inject some life into these games you know, even on a night where the Leafs score four four times, it didn't necessarily feel like it.
3: No, uh, it didn't. And and you know what? It's 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 rather unfortunate. Um, the the buzz is is completely gone. And and to be honest, I think you know when we've talked to the players about it, I think they're biting their tongue a little bit. Um, Austin talked about it a bit today, and Morgan Riley said that he didn't want to say too much about it. But basically, they they say, you know, they really miss the fans. Um, And I think it it tells in the the play and the energy in the game. Um, Sheldon Keefe compared the Ottawa game on Saturday to a preseason game. He said this one had a scrimmage-like feel at times to it, um, just because there's no noise. Um, And also, I think, you know, part of it's the rust. Um, They're playing teams that have been absolutely ravaged by COVID. I mean, no Connor McDavid for one, let's start there. Um, and the Senators, you know, is that half an AHL team practically. And then, you know, all these teams are coming off a lengthy pause, um, whether it's due to all the postponed games or the Christmas break. Um, so, you know, they haven't been in the flow, but hey, they've they've won both games since since that prolonged break. So They'll take it. And now they're going on a really long road trip. So who knows when the next home game is going to be. Another one just got postponed.
0: Yeah, yeah, more and more. Well, they, and postponed on a later date. So at the later date, uh, hypothetically, they're at least could be playing like five games in six nights or something. I don't know, somewhere down the road. But, you know, everyone's biting their tongue. tongue. And Luke, you know, you're in the business, we're in the business, and people don't want to hear or really uh, us or read you com- complaining about it. But I think the fans right. are doing the same, that this time, this time it hurts. You know, last time was... A sign of okay, we made it happen. You know, the bubble was in the summer. Now we're going to get a 56-game season for divisions. Okay, no, no fans in the building, and this one is just a, kind of a kind of a setback. But I think. I, I, I like Ilya Mikheyev, I find as a positive, but I think and I, and I think there are other positives. I think I think it tends to be we're a little picky because the overall games have not been all that entertaining after being back and being there when the fans were there, which was so great. The building was really getting a good buzz before COVID hit again. Uh, I was really enjoying. I was really enjoying that part. So uh, but to your point, hey, I'll take wins. I, I work with teams that played really well and always and fell short. And uh, I will take finding ways to wins any night.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, Austin Matthews called it one step forward, three steps back. And I think that's the disheartening thing is it feels like we're moving backwards a little bit here. And there was some some great momentum. with. And, and to be honest, I think the fans at Scotiabank this season, prior to this pause, had been louder than normal. You know, they take a lot of flack here in this city for being quiet crowds. But with the soup chants, And, um, you know, some pretty warm receptions, like a night like tonight would have been something, right? The Edmonton Oilers only come here once a year. Yeah, McDavid's out, but Zach Hyman's making his return. He was a massive fan favorite, and he was a big fan favorite, or not a fan favorite, a favorite amongst his teammates in the room. Um, And so, you know, they probably cut the commercial during the TV timeout. They have a nice little tribute to him, and he, he stands up. But who's there to see it? A few arena workers and a couple of schlubby reporters like me. So um, it's just unfortunate. Um, so hopefully they, they'll give him another one next year when when the others come back. And hopefully there's nineteen thousand plus in here because a guy like that deserves that. But I hear what you're saying about some positives to take away. Uh, I'd say TJ Brody made an excellent defensive play on Leon Drysaitel. Scored another goal. This is his first four game point streak. Uh, in almost four years, since February 2018, for TJ Brody. Uh, you know, just this reliable stay-at-home guy. So it's kind of nice to see him get on the score sheet for a, a stretch of games here. And Ilya Mikheyev, you-, you feel for the guy. He had a really nice preseason and was kind of a standout in training camp. Breaks his thumb in the last preseason game. And his season doesn't start uh, un- until the-, at the game in Edmonton. And then immediately they go on pause. So for him to come back off this break and get three goals in two games and be firing the puck and getting power play time. It's a nice little side story here. So there there are some, some good things happening in leaf land for sure.
1: Yeah, let's just drill down on my, on Makayev for a second. Like, just how much does he kind of change the ceiling, not of the team, but of the bottom six? You know, there, Andre Kasha is a guy who definitely has some offensive upside in there, and, you know, Simmons can go on runs, Spetsa can go on runs, but it feels like if Makayev can be a guy who is able to kind of add to that offensive punch, you throw him on that checking line with with Camp and Kasha and all of a sudden, that's not a line that is just defense only. They can maybe sneak a little offense out of it. If it feels to me like he could really kind of change the ceiling of the bottom six offensively.
3: Yeah, and he's, he does it with his speed, and he's starting to do it with his size. Um, you know, he's been challenged uh, ever since he came overseas to use his big frame more, to use his body, to use that size. And we're starting to see it here in the last couple of games. I mean, he's been hard on those puck battles. And maybe he's a little bit fresher than the rest of the league. The fact that, you know, the rest of the league basically had a 30-game head start on him. So he's coming out with a lot to prove, um, and his conditioning is top-notch. So he's always been a reliable defensive player, always been an excellent penalty killer. But now Keith has given him a look on that second power play unit and it's paying dividends, and he's firing the puck more. You know, I, I was asking him you know, if he made it a mission of his to, to shoot a little bit more. He's like, if I have a shot, why not? Um, and that's kind of the attitude he's going into this with. And this could have went sideways, right? Like in the summer, the story was that he had requested a trade through his agent, Dan Milstein, um, and maybe the, there was a, a rift between the club and, and Mikheyev, and maybe he wasn't getting enough use. But now he's getting used on both special teams. Uh, He's producing. He's standing out. And Sheldon Keefe has nothing but praise for the guy. He just said that when he's in the lineup, he makes us a deeper team and he makes us a better team. And that left wing spot in particular has kind of been uh, a sore spot since Hyman left. They were kind of unsure that there was enough of a committee to step up and fill that role. And, you know, we see where Nick Ritchie's kind of faltered a little bit Um, I thought he was kind of at fault for one of the goals tonight. Um, And McKayev's kind of stepped right in and made up for some of Richie's lapses there, I think.
1: Yeah, I mean, Richie hasn't worked out quite the way they'd like, but if Mikheyev's going to be this and Kerfoot and Bunting are going to continue to be, all of a sudden, uh, far, far from a weakness uh, on this team. Uh, Luke, so good to talk to you. Happy New Year, and uh, thanks for coming on with us tonight.
3: Yeah, have a good rest of your show. Yeah, shout out to Kerfoot. He doesn't probably get enough love in this market. He's, He's played really well.
1: Yep. Uh, agreed by me. Uh, there he goes. Uh, Luke Fox, read him on Twitter at Luke Fox Jukebox. Check him out on the uh, Sportsnet app. Yeah, it's, it is crazy. We've thought about that as a bit of a question mark, a bit of a weakness for this team. And, you know, Nick Ritchie, uh, for all the warts he has, I don't think anybody's going to be too, too upset despite the contract about him uh, picking up fourth line minutes. Leafs are 4-2 winner at winners at home tonight over the Oilers. Brent Gunning and Gord Stellick will continue to wrap things up. You're listening to Leafs Station postgame here on Molson Canadian Leafs Hockey and Sports Ned 590 the fan. Leafs are 4-2 winners at home over the Oilers. Brent Gunning and Gord Stellick just putting the finishing touches here on Leafs post postgame. The Leafs stay hot. They stay perfect in the year 2022. Hey, at least something good is happening this year. And uh, Gord, they now head out on a trip out west, and uh, it gets a little more difficult next time out that Saturday. We'll have the game here on Sportsnet 590. The fan on the road in Colorado. Uh, something tells me the game will look a little different than the 8-3 win the Leafs had when the Avalanche came to town.
0: Yeah, no, they got some big games. And, and, you know, it's also good, you got to get these opponents right. These aren't, these aren't good games, uh, Edmonton and Ottawa, in good circumstances to get you in that state of preparedness for the playoff drive. So it's going to be uh, fasten your seatbelts. We've got most of the games, and hopefully it's not as bumpy a ride.
1: Yes, that's right. Uh, Let's have our fingers crossed for that. Leafs are back at it Saturday, 7 o'clock puck drop right here on Sportsnet 590. The fans starting up a road trip in Colorado tonight. They're 4-2 winners at home over the Oilers. Gordo, always fun getting on with you, and uh, it's a little more fun when
0: it's the Leafs win. Absolutely, and two for two, you're right. Not a lot of games, but it's a good way to make it a happy new year. There he goes. Brent Gunning, Gord Stelick will be back on Saturday
1: night for Leafs Nation. You've been listening to a Leafs Nation postgame here on Sportsnet 5. Die to the fan.